back finally after so long i feel rusty i do too people people probably thought we died i mean i thought i was gonna die oh right because you went to alaska and that's why we couldn't uh record i had to be be on a plane and you know how i am on planes so uh yes i do (laughs) (laughs) an anxious wreck all 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 i know is i look down on my phone and it's just text message text message text message (laughs) Yeah, like my entire will and testament, like in a series of text messages. If you never hear from me again, yeah. so how, how was Alaska? Um, it was so it was good. Um, I went up for the Yukon Quest dog race. Uh huh. Um, so it starts in Fairbanks, Alaska, and it's a thousand miles, um, and eight days into. I can't believe that's a real thing. Oh, it gets even better. Like, because it, 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 it goes to Whitehorse Yukon in, um, in oh, Canada. Oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Ha- That's up north. Many- yeah, like, it's, it's actually so far north, I forgot how long it takes to get there. Um, it took me, like, <laughs> 11 hours. Yeah, it was a long trip. Get, mm-hmm. To get That's there. crazy. Um, but uh, what I found really interesting is I thought it was just, like, the dog race, but apparently... There's also an ultra marathon where like humans do it without the assistance of animals. So, <laughs> How does that work? Well, it's, it's a completely Canadian thing because only Canadians would think this is like fun. Right. Um, it's so true. It's, it's in Yukon. So it's in Whitehorse and you can bike it for 600 miles. You can it's... snowshoe it or ski it for 300 miles or you can Jesus. run it for a hundred miles. This sounds and, like this sounds like like when I die and I see that white light, and I'm like, you know, and, and then God says, "No, sorry, you're going to hell." <laughs> <laughs> this is what that sounds like. It's it's so funny you say that because I was just reading this. I've kind of fallen down this rabbit hole of like reading about um, like the Antarctic explorers of like the early like right. century. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was a team that was stranded in Antarctica um, and they had to just kind of wait it out because it's like 1912 and like there's no one's coming for you right you know? <laughs> there's no radar there's no there's no yeah, radio you just have to survive and right. in, the, in the journals they're like uh, I think I don't know if it was Shackleton himself or it was one of his men but they were like I don't know why we have convinced ourselves that hell is hot <laughs> it's absolutely cold. cold I thought you were going to say I don't know how we convinced ourselves that this was going to be a good idea <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I, it's funny because, like... It's, Journal filled with regret. It's totally, like, miserable in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as you know, like, I got hypothermia. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> and, which is hilarious. Which, I just, which is, is, like, not a thing I guess I thought that people, like, really get. <laughs> right, it's one of those made-up things. <laughs> right, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, like, if you go to, like, Antarctica naked, you'll get hypothermia. It's like a, like, like, like depression. No, I'm joking. I'm kidding. Yeah, it's not, it's not a real thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I ended up, I ended up getting like, I ended up being hypothermic. Uh, not, not severely, but badly enough to like, you right. think would have scared, scared some sense into me. Mm-hmm. Um, but did it? But it didn't. Right, of course not. <laughs> because now I'm like, I really want to do the ultra marathon in the Yukon. Seriously? Um, You're going to do this? I'm like, I'm so... Is that, is that why when I called earlier, you were, like, training? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because I realized, like, I am no, way, like, way, shape, or form even, like, prepared for something <laughs> like that. But, like, I used to rock climb, like, fairly regularly. Like, yeah, you did. That's right. And yeah. then um, in college and then up until recently. And um, I love climbing outdoors mm-hmm. and I wanted to do some more ice climbing. I'm like, this could be kind of... I don't want to say an intro into ice climbing. Um <laughs> But at least, at least there's like a primer. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if, and if you want to tap out, then you can. Um, right. But they actually had to pause it this year um, while I was, while I was up there because it was 
negative 45 Celsius. Yeah, I mean, the photos you sent looked insane. Not to mention, not to mention how the light looked. The yeah, light like looked, the, I mean, I don't know if everybody would notice, but I definitely felt like the light felt different of all the photos that you had up there. Like, like the altitude was different or something, you know? Yeah, we were like on top of the world. Yeah. Right? So like, everything is and, curved slightly differently. Right. It's, it's almost like perpetually kind of like sunset, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's almost eerie because like, mm -hmm. in certain parts when you're that north, certain parts of Alaska and certain parts of Canada, it's... um. So Antarctica is actually, not the Arctic, but Antarctica is considered a desert because there's actually no precipitation. Oh, interesting. Um, and the land is, bergs, the land is, is pretty flat for just like mm -hmm. miles and mm -hmm. miles and miles. And it looks like what you would think the moon looks like. Wow. And, um, and actually the... Um, I wonder if they ever shot anything up there. Probably be too cold. I think you probably could. I mean, the reason they had to pause the, the race mm -hmm. was because people's backup generators for, like, heat and stuff, they were breaking. Jeez. They were freezing. And there's actually, um, so whenever you park your car somewhere, you actually have to hook it up to, um, it's like a series of blankets to keep your, oh, wow. and your engine what's, from freezing. What's funny to, yeah. to me about what you're saying is that, like, you know, uh, when we when Canadians go to the states, it's like you guys are so like wimpy about the winter. Not all of you, obviously New York is different and so forth. But the further south you go, the worse it gets. But now I yeah. realize there's people that are even more badass than us Canadians. Probably look at us the oh, same yeah. way. Look at these guys and their winters. <laughs> yeah, like northern, like like Yukon Canadians. Yeah, exactly. Like, we must be like such like children to them. Oh yeah, no, it's it's like next level. I actually yeah, yeah. guy a guy scolded me because I was wearing, I was wearing like North Face insulated hiking boots. Right. Um, this is the day that I got, uh, that I got hypothermia. Okay. And this guy like scoffed at me when I was like outside. He's like, you're going to lose your toes wearing those. Wow. And I, like, <laughs> and I was like laughing about it. And then turns out like I was literally like being treated for hypothermia two hours later. Jeez. Um, and, cause, and I thought that they were like, legitimately, yeah, yeah, like, like be fine anywhere else because like living in cold parts of the U.S. and also living in yeah. Canada, like, no, I'm like decked out in like North Face and Patagonia, like legitimately yeah, anything insulated, outwards. you're good. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's, it's next level, like rugged. That is insane. Um, I've always wanted but, to go to like Anchorage cause it looks so, um, surreal in movies. Oh yeah. Anchorage is beautiful. We flew over it. Mm, yeah. So I've always been curious about Alaska. So now that you've went, it's kind of like, nah, I don't think so. I'm good. <laughs> well, to be fair, Anchorage, Anchorage is in the south. So um, Anchorage was 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. So that's like, I want to say. Colder than where you were or warmer? So much warmer. Right. I mean, that's what I thought. Like, it's like zero. Yeah. I believe. Or maybe like negative one, negative two Celsius. Mm. Um, but not anything near how cold it is the farther north you get. Um that's crazy. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was intense. And the reason I was freaking out on the flight was because, like, apparently the jet stream changes when you get that far north. It gets a lot stronger because of the magnetic poles of the Earth, which makes sense. Really? So there's constant turbulence. Like, not light turbulence. Like oh, because you, you, yeah, because you were like, the turbulence is bad. But I was, I was thinking, well, you know, turbulence happens everywhere. It's, like, not that big a deal. But then when you yeah. came back and you explained it, the idea of it being way worse going up north that far it's like that makes sense yeah and i was like asking the flight attendant i was like when is it gonna stop and she's like when we land dear and i was like great <laughs> great <laughs> can't wait that's five hours from now great that's like um, it feels like you're in a shuttle going to a different planet no like literally a space shuttle like <laughs> yeah like but it, it's honestly like a super cool experience um it sounds like you had fun i mean other than the hyperthermia yeah other than, other <laughs> than that near-death experience uh. um but yeah, you should definitely check out check out Northern Canada. Um, I'm sure I'm sure I will someday. I've always wanted to. Um, but like, I don't do well in the cold. So, speaking of cold, I've had to shovel like crazy the last little while. It's been coming down. Like, I'll go out and shovel, and I'll come inside and be like, "Okay, that was hard, but I did it. I'm awesome." <laughs> and then right then, I'll like have a little nap, and then as soon as I'm done with the nap, it snowed just as much as I shoveled. It's like you never did it. No, and then I have to go back out and do it again. Oh, it's the well, worst. I can't wait for this to be over. Well, I know the other day you were asking me because I was talking about training, and you were like, what do I do if my one arm is doing my <laughs> <Yeah>. other arm? <laughs> and I was like, from what? What are you doing? I was, legit, I, was uh, I was working out with dumbbells, 
and I've been doing it for okay. the last little while and it was good. Like everything's fine. I'm feeling like healthy and like everything's tightening up a little bit. But at one point I noticed that like my right arm is a lot tighter than the other. And also <laughs> it's like, okay, so when you touch my right arm, you can feel the muscle. Like it's hard, right? Right. The right, the one on the left is still shaping because if only I realized, I looked at it, I'm like, holy shit, my right arm is bigger. <laughs> It's bigger than the left arm. And I, I freaked out and texted you. I was like, how do I fix this? Yeah, I mean, like, pictures. Like, like, you know, there's it's, probably, like, workouts you can look up on, like, softball pictures and baseball Yeah, you told, you said that. But I couldn't figure out why. And, and then I was like, oh, it's because I've been shoveling like crazy. Yeah, that will do. That's like a, that's like a hard workout. Like, yeah, and I've been doing that on top of the workouts. Attacks. Yeah. Yeah, every time I'm out there, I'm like, don't die of a heart attack. Don't die of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you know what? People are probably wondering, like, why this isn't just a 10-minute episode, like how we said we were going to do. That's true. Um, so let's just quickly go over that. Minds. What? We changed our minds. Yeah, we changed our minds. We did it for a little while, and it just, like, it didn't really have an effect. And if anything, I feel like it confused everybody. It's like, also, like, it feels really, um, like, we're just not people who are very, um, I don't want to say polished, but... Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it felt, it felt forced and, like, a little presentational. And, like, okay, here we go. Ten minutes. Let's talk. Like, we're not really those people. We're people that get on this thing and just catch up and talk about whatever we're up to and yeah. give you guys a couple recommendations. And actually, you know what I want to do in the future? I've been talking to you about this. I really want to lean into more, like, just having conversations and chemistry and getting the energy of this up and just getting better at talking. Yeah. As opposed to trying to, like, you know, get really good at, like, I don't know, marketing sound bites and little bits i just that didn't feel right it it definitely felt a little like sound bitey to me mm-hmm. um and a little like manufactured and i'll be honest it took the fun out of it a little bit like i didn't want to do it like i noticed in the morning when i got up i just kind of go like, okay i've got to do this yeah and and there's no point in that um no and, and this is so, fun and i think i think that like we still i don't know we're still figuring out like exactly what works for us um mm-hmm. In relation we're still going to have topics and things like that, yeah. Yeah, like how much energy we're putting into other projects and, and kind of what those take from us and, and where this fits into that. And so exactly. Think, yeah. And we're also hoping that you guys will give us feedback and like tell us what's working, what you guys like, what you don't like, and so forth. And that doesn't mean that we're going to like, you know, adjust everything to the taste of the audience, but it'll give us a sense of like what we can focus on a bit more and so on. Yeah, I think that um, I like having a little bit more of like a, a loose banter. Mm-hmm. In, in the beginning and then kind of talking about the subjects then that, getting into that something, we love, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but not with this like time constraint that the anchor platform no. really kind of requires um, exactly. when you're breaking it up like that. It's, just, it's yeah. not. It's so not from now on, we'll just put them out on, on, on anchor. We'll put them out on the podcast in your podcast app at the same time. So whenever we put up a podcast, it'll be in your podcast app as well. If it's, if it's on anchor, it's on the, uh, it's in Stitcher and in iTunes and all that as well. Yes, I think it's in Stitcher. I don't know because that's that's the one I use and I love it. But I haven't. Have you been find it? You haven't, um, right? Because I haven't gotten a Stitcher link, and I thought you'd been listening to it on Stitcher, so I figured it no, was on I, there. There's a few. Um, there's a few podcasts that I love that don't come up in Stitcher for whatever reason, like um, Catholic bad. stuff you should know and stuff like that. Um, I think there's a way to add an RSS feed, like you can just add it to Stitcher and it'll pick it up. It's just not showing up in their actual app. But I'll look into that. I'll see how to do that. Okay, yeah, because, like, I do have, I have, like, the iTunes, the Apple, like, podcast mm-hmm. one. For, like, it's on, it's on Apple, and it's definitely on Google Play. Oh, okay. hmm Cool. But, yeah, weren't you going to tell me something? Something happened? I was going to tell the... you something, and I, because I know that you don't know about it yet, and it right, yeah. happened kind of this morning, and I know. And I figured I, you just get my live reaction. Yeah, I wanted your reaction to it, because um, I thought it was an Onion headline when I, okay. when I first read it, um, but it's not. So, um, you know that they just made a... Um, animated live action uh, Peter Rabbit movie, right? What's Peter Rabbit again? It's a series by Beatrix Potter. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've the, heard of this. I don't know it well, though. The children's storybooks. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. they just made it uh, into a movie. Right. Um, and people are boycotting it today because in one scene, one of Peter's little rabbit friends... Um, uh-huh. says that he's allergic to blackberries and all the rabbits start throwing blackberries at him and parents of children with food allergies are now like boycotting the film because it's insensitive to children with life-threatening food allergies 
but I don't understand. And, and, <laughs> Wait, let me get the story. And the company has like had to issue like an apology. Oh my god, <laughs> this is insane! Like, okay, so let me get this straight. Um, in the movie, when uh, they're throwing the blackberries, I can't believe this is a real conversation. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, when they throw the blackberries. Like, is it to, like, humiliate him a little bit? And then, like, the character has to, like, you know, become a hero or something like that? Well, so this is what's interesting to me. Because, first of all, I just want to go on the record as saying that the only people who are complaining and boycotting this film are all American. From of what course. Like online. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, okay, I'll go on. <laughs> I was about to get myself in trouble. <laughs> Beatrix Potter is an English, was an English right. writer. Um, and her books in, in the tri- typical European tradition are, are dark. They That's have... what I'm thinking. And like, it's like, a, like Harry in the Harry Potter books. He goes through some shit. You have like other kids make fun of him. And I wonder if that shit. would fly yes. today. That's where the lessons come from, right? Is like... do, you, do you think if like she released that book today, Harry Potter, like it would have, like, I don't think it would be received the same way. Kids would love it, but there would definitely be more outrage, especially with all that like Christian uh, oh, yeah, you know, I magic. And... Mm-hmm. I would be worse now to, to read them as a child. That's what I mean. Yeah. It'd be um, even worse now though. Because they were satanic. <laughs> right. right. But so all those my... people now have a Twitter voice, right? Like, yeah, no, exactly. Like people. Like oh my parents. God. Um... Cause I'm assuming in the book, it's not like, it just can't be, it's gotta be like a story point. Right. I'm sure I haven't seen the film and also like, what they're trying to do is like they've adapted it right there has to be some like malice and some unkindness and then like some darker parts yeah to to get the true voice of like the book itself well i feel like a lot of british um uh children's books and stuff are very influenced by roald dahl okay yeah right and um and roald dahl was like very dark like i remember reading some of those books as a kid and just being like you know, like you, the characters, they're in danger, like real stuff happens, not everything turns out well. I think Lemony Snicket is kind of like that too. Yes. You know, so those are like, those are like my favorite books. I know my kids' favorite books and stuff are the same stuff. It's the same stuff. It's like a little bit dangerous and edgy, you know? Well, even, even Peter Pan. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's all like, the stuff that you remember. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of the great, um, what we consider like classic children's literature in, in the West is um and there's actually a lot of and i'll even go as far as to say like persian like children persian children's literature is mm-hmm. actually like quite good and it's the right. same thing like there's a lot of like darkness into it because lives were darker then whether it's world war one of course that farther, makes sense yeah it was different times much farther back yeah um but it still feels wrong to like inoculate children from anything that's like emotionally difficult you know I just don't understand. I mean, I do understand that, like, maybe what you do is you have a conversation with your own child at home that says, like, hey, if you have any friends who are allergic to food, maybe don't throw them at that because they could literally die. But, like, that comes down to, like, I guess. Ranting. And, like, I feel like what people You're are right. expecting is that, like, the media and art and culture should be parenting your children for you. I'm also just kind of my mind's blown because I'm assu- this is just an assumption, but I'm assuming in the movie if the characters are throwing stuff at like one of the rabbits, who's like, uh, whatever, it's like a point. Like you're probably supposed to feel bad for that rabbit. Yes, I'm sure. Right? It's, it's, it's not it's just my, Yeah. So I'm like, are people just flat out missing the point of like drama and stuff like that? Like they just have we just. I don't know. It's weird. It just seems like people don't understand storytelling anymore. Well, I was going to say, like, just from knowing you and knowing how film works. Right. Yeah. That every single second in a film has a purpose. Exactly. There's nothing that's thrown in there just because. So there's a character that's being like, I'm going through something emotional or even Mm -hmm. Even if one of the characters in this case is like being really mean and, and you know, not you're fun. showing that he's mean because later on you're going to have to like yes. uh, get revenge against that character or or you're showing that, you know, this person like the main character, if he's getting Blackberry stone at him is like, you know, he's like the underdog. So later he's got to win and we root for him because he got all this stuff thrown at him. You know, I'm not I don't know if that's what happened in the movie. It could be the other way around that, like the good guys threw it at the bad guys. That would be a little weird. You know? This is classic storytelling one like this is yeah. so weird to me. Like this is not a difficult thing to understand that like this is how storytelling works. That's exactly so, like, how I feel. I, it I, makes I, makes me wonder if people are just getting denser because we're 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 dumbing down stuff so much when it comes to movies with like apologies and like 
you know, like um, diversity, which is a good thing, but it's, it's starting to be like people aren't in the real world anymore. Yeah, you know? I, I, I just can't. That's, that's what I'm struggling with, too. Like, I think that there's, there's diversifying is, is a great thing. It's a great thing, but it should still to some I feel like to some degree it should still, still represent the world. Right. But and, it, it seems to me now, like if you go according to TV, everybody has a best friend that's brown and black and Chinese and gay and like, like everybody has like one token friend. You know, that's the, I don't think that's the real world. Every all the bases are covered. Yeah, in every show, everybody has like one brown person, one black person, one um, you know, like Asian, one immigrant, one like they they cover everything. They cover the whole rainbow, and it's cool. Like I really like that because it's making minorities like. Visible. You know, it's giving them a place. Yeah, and like I grew up at a time when there weren't any, and it was really frustrating being a minority. You know, mm-hmm. but now it's getting ridiculous because now I don't recognize any of that anymore. Like th- the idea is that it's supposed to reflect life, right? Right. And now I look at it, I'm like, why does everything look like the crew of Star Trek? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like the multicolored national, international crew of Star Trek is every show now. Right, and you're like, okay, can can anybody relate to this? Like, yeah, even, like, even minorities, they're still going to have... Because um... I still want to see stories about, like, you know, like, Irish guys. I still want to see movies about Italian guys. I still want to see movies about, like, you know, black women and all this. Like, I, I, like this whole, like, make-believe world where, like, everybody's getting along. And it's, like, it's cool. It's making kids, like, more open-minded and all that. And I love that. But it's, like, it's also making them super, like, soft, I think. Because that's not how the real world is when they go out there and it's not like that. They're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's strange to me because, like, my group of friends, like, really, really is that diverse. But, like, I also... Yeah, yeah. Like, but, but you're also in, like, a major city, right? Like, that's yeah, super yes. rare. And like, most, most people in America don't live in, like, no. downtown Washington, D.C., crossed with Toronto. You know, where, like, exactly. you do have, and by like, the way, one gay Chinese friend and, like, one, you know, Irish person that moved here or whatever yeah. you know it's, yeah it's it's not everyone's lived experience no i agree i also think i'll really start buying this diversity stuff when i see a show that's like all brown people you know yeah or like like when when those become like the major shows that the networks are pushing but not just like hey we've got everybody in here so everybody can enjoy it you know well that's why i think that um people were really really excited last week when um fresh off the boat mm-hmm they did an episode for um, the Chinese New Year. That's still on? I didn't know that. Yeah, they did it in Mandarin. Oh, wow. And they subtitled it? Yeah. That's dope. I, like, and, I, always, lo- I always love that show. And um, it's, it's, it's still on. And I haven't watched the most recent season because um, I just... For anybody who doesn't know, it's a, it's a show with Eddie Wong. who's a, I think he's like a world-famous chef, isn't he? I believe so. Yeah, he yeah. is. And he, he's an Asian guy who grew up like... Uh, where, where, where does it take place? Uh, in Florida, they in Florida, from Washington D.C. to like Orlando. Right, so he's this little Asian hip hop kid who suddenly has to move to this in like the 90s. in the 90s. Yeah, and um, so it deals with all the culture of like immigrant culture and then hip hop culture, art influence, everything, and the American dream and all that kind of stuff. And it's a great show. Like it's almost like it's a lot like Everybody Hates Chris. I remember like when we first watched it together when it came out, mm-hmm. and um, and your business partner. And you guys were cracking up. And, and, like, I think it's funny, but, like, I'm American. Right, but like, you don't know the references, yeah. Right, but, like, you're Pakistani, and he was a Polish immigrant. So even though, like, he's white, he's still has that, like, immigrant experience, which is but, why that kind of storytelling is so important to have this, like, yeah. you know, this Chinese family front and center. And it doesn't, it's not super diverse, because it's, like, a Chinese family living in white suburban America. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think a lot of us had, a lot of immigrant culture, like, coming up had, like, the thing that bonded all kind of immigrants, mostly anyway, was hip hop. Like we all kind of found hip hop as like our thing, you know, and we, we connected to each other through that. So when you see Eddie Wong doing this show called Fresh Off the Boat, which is like the, you know, immigrant experience in the 90s as kids. And it's kind of like the, the, the backdrop is like hip hop. It's yeah. so relatable to anybody, like whether it's Martin, me or whatever, like even you, to some degree, it's like, oh, that's Biggie, that's Tupac, you know, like and Wu-Tang and all that. And I think that really... Um, made that show accessible to everybody yes absolutely and like when they were talking to about an interview two days ago with the um with the writers Mm -hmm. and they were like why did you do it in mandarin and he was like well we did it because this is the first time that like a show that features like a chinese family um has been this successful right and it's the first time that anybody really could 
know? Yeah, yeah. See, that to me is real diversity, like. Exactly, yes. That's that. that, Because you're not being, you're being exposed to the whole other culture and, and you're seeing it through their filter. It's written by kind of like, you know, I think it's written by, um, by immigrants, like not immigrants, but, um, uh, Asian Americans. Yes. Um, like I know Eddie Wong is really heavily involved. He's got a voiceover and so forth, but I lost my point. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you were talking about about diversity and about how Oh yeah, how that that feels like like you know, if there was like if there was a show that was super modern and was just about like a Pakistani family or an Indian family. Mm-hmm. And and you know, it was accessible and all that. To me that is cool. And like all of this what's going on right now is um it's like stepping stones, so I still respect it. It's dope. But but I don't know just I I I just find myself not engaging. I'm not watching any of the shows because they don't I just don't relate. I think that you're the kind of person who feels generally like if, if you're being forced to, yeah. to like something just because you're supposed to be able to relate to it yeah. on this basic level. That but, all, should... but also you're super late. <laughs> like, you know <laughs> what I mean, like this isn't like maybe I think to a lot of like America, it's fresh, you know, yeah. whereas to Canada, it's like growing up in Brampton and Toronto was like it was so multicultural that like none of this is novelty to us, you know? Yeah. So we're just kind of like, okay, but what about the story? <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are a step ahead of us in that, in that sense. Like you said, these are all stepping stones. So like, exactly. I think a lot of the art that's coming out right now, some of it's been maybe a little bit mediocre because they're still figuring out how do we in, make this true You're right, you're right. You're right, it's a bridge. It relatable yeah. while also making it diverse. Um, well, they did have like a little... I think it was last year where they had that HBO show called The Night Of with Riz Ahmed. Uh-huh. And that, that was an all brown, like it was just completely a Pakistani family and this kid who gets caught up in like the justice system. And, and that was amazing and it did well and people loved it and it got some of the highest reviews ever. And that's another one that was just like, they really embraced the culture. It wasn't like, hey, let's put a brown guy in the middle of this and make everybody else white, you know? Yeah. I mean, it had that too, but it, it really made it about, about the culture. And I think... That's definitely, even with the, you're talking about how it, this is kind of like a stepping stone. I think we're already kind of reaching, like some of those, some of those things I'm talking about are happening. There I are shows that are fully brown or fully Asian, you know, or fully black. I think it's also because like you grew up in Europe. That's you right. Yeah. Have, you have this different relationship and, and this isn't like Europe now. Like, no, I know. Swinging back into racist fascism Europe, this is like Europe in the 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. where it was like they still had like... They were just coming out of that, the, their whole shame. World War was, II mm-hmm. and like Cold War kind of shame. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you were able to just like really be embraced. Like and all of your baby pictures, you're in like Lederhosen. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and That's... so you... Yeah, you... They, they, the Germans were awesome to us. And I think it was because they realized like culturally that, you know, they had been led astray. And it was a really great time at the time. And I think, yeah, I think that as a result of that, like, you grew up with this, like, wonderful, like, uh, European art and, like, cinema. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that was really good. Maybe my standards because, are higher. Yeah, and also just because, like, it wasn't necessarily catering to you in a specific way. It was no, not at all. Yeah. Good storytelling that was also diverse. You know, I never thought about that. You never, I never really thought about the fact that, like, any movies and stuff that I liked or even TV when I was younger um, – was completely based on like storytelling and dopeness and not based on like, Hey, like that person looks like me. Right. Which I, I think, think mm-hmm. we've talked about it a lot because you've said like, Oh, it would have been nice if I, if I did have like, of course, like, it's empowering you know, stuff that was like, you know, that's people that did look like me, but mm-hmm. it never, um, never stopped me in any way now. And it's just, it's really interesting for me as like a white person who's like learning, um, about these kinds of things in in art uh learning about your privilege because because (laughs) you kind of are able to come from two different perspectives right yeah Um, you know i i think it's a big part of just my creative process and like my art and everything is just that like i have so many cultural influences mm -hmm. just having grown up in germany and canada like you know um my kids being like half kiwi and all that there's so much cultural like input and so when i look at things I look at them differently I, I it's like like all this pro diversity stuff I feel like it's just like for me it's almost like oh okay okay let's catch up already you know <laughs> like we're, we're past this let's come on <laughs> I'm worried so far ahead of you I know like yeah. 
whenever I try to talk to you about it, you're like, oh, yeah, but this is, like, a little boring to me because, like, I'm like, Canadian-European and, like, I don't know where the fuck America has been. Well, I, to- I told you this, and this is not, like, anything personal to you, but, like, when we first met, like, that's when I first started thinking about race. And it's yeah. because you're an American and it's very much on your mind because everything that's going on in your country. And for me, growing up in Canada, like, maybe I dealt with it when I was young, but, like, I don't think about it at all. Like, I don't... I don't I don't realize that I'm like, you know, different or like a, like a minority and stuff until somebody else points it out. Yeah. You know? And, um, and I think that's, that's really empowering. I think. No, I wish more people were like that, you know? I know we talked about that a little bit the other day when you were asking like, why don't people like the new Timberlake album? Right. Yeah. That, that was, was like, that was interesting. And I was like, Oh, well, I think it's because, you know, it, it comes off as like, the sound itself is like really embracing like these kind of country Tennessee roots that he has, which mm-hmm. is like really experimental and really interesting. But at the same time, it, it comes off, especially with some of the lyrics, um, like he's. Like, I know you just said like, what was it? Don't act like the South isn't the shit, which yeah. he says, and which which I think like you know really listening to it again after you said that stuff, I really think he's like clueless when it comes to that stuff. Yes, I don't think he also, understands the, the 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 climate right now. But also, that just goes to show you that, like, you're a white dude in, like, 2018 who still doesn't understand the fucking still, climate of America. Is not like, aware of his own privilege, maybe. Yes. And yeah. so, like, I think that people were just like, wow, like, this is really clueless at a time when, like, you can't mm-hmm. really afford, like, to be clueless. And that I mean, I, I don't know if I agree you. with that. Like, I don't know if I agree with people thinking like that. But, but, that, but that was interesting when you pointed that out. And I went, oh, that's, that is what's going on. People are, like, for me, I just accept this, this kind of, like, um, mix of... Uh, cultures that he's bringing to the music right like to me it's just music but to other people it's a political statement right because like everything and like all race relations and discussions on the south and southern culture mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. all tied to racism in the south with the u.s like in the u.s whereas it's not maybe as much like you guys definitely still have um you know conversations all the time about the treatment of first nations yeah um but we're dealing with race relations on a, on a very different level. And so those kinds of things just don't even like come to right, mind. Right, no, I get it. I think as an outsider, I feel like sometimes I look at something like that and I'm like, okay, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know? Because like mm-hmm. so much of Southern culture is beautiful and interesting. And like even, even, I would even say like Confederate stuff, like as far as history goes, is really interesting stuff there and like stories of bravery and all that kind of stuff doesn't mean they were right they were wrong you know and i do think we need to remove those flags and all that kind of stuff statues whatever but i think the idea of erasing the south from history is i think what everybody's this this the southerners are maybe afraid of and i don't think it's going to happen but um but yeah it does make me wonder like this can we not appreciate something about a culture while also saying like this is bad yeah and i think that i think that there's a lot of of work that's being done to like discussions like the u.s is very yeah. much still in like dialogue mode you know we're, we're yeah. trying to have discussions that are like okay we can let's look at what we're truly proud about in the south you know because like my family is like extremely southern like down in tennessee yeah like and- family values um also- southern you know let's not get rid of those <laughs> <laughs> right like family values and like you know people think about like um, they immediately think about like cooking and like you know yeah that's cooking, exactly what but then but, then but there's also the racism and then there's the sexism and and it's not so true much that true want to get rid of rid of those things it's more like let's discuss who was injured in creating these types of values and who they I benefit think, and i think everybody wants it to be acknowledged right to not just be like, okay, the South was the shit. <laughs> like, we just move on. Like, nothing happened. Yeah, and that's kind of, I think, how his, his album... It comes off that. like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think when he puts out another album that's, like, you know, much... More, I think what's going to happen now is he's going to put out another album very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, like, a pop album. Like, a, like old school, like, Timberlake kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that'll make everybody love him again. And then I think... Um, then this album will become one of those like minor albums that people look back at and go, hey, that was actually a lot better than I thought, you know, because the, the politics will eventually fade. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, and it's, and it's sound that it's playful mm-hmm. in a way that like most people maybe wouldn't be after they've not made an album for, for four or five years. I'm also not listening to it super seriously. Like it's just kind of background music. So to me, it's like, it's music in like in the major key. So it's like upbeat and, puts you in a good mood. I'm not really listening to like the lyrics specifically. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I like about it. I think maybe other people are taking it a little too seriously. 
Yeah, I I don't listen to it that often. I've given it. A yeah, me either. Things. To be honest. Um, but. But I liked it. I wasn't like there's some stuff I listen to. I go, I'm never gonna listen to this. Like, but this was like I will listen to this. Word. What? Like the Jessica Biel spoken word. Yeah, I'll never listen to that again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? He ruined that though. Because if if that had just come out the way it was, you just hear it and be like, is that Jessica Biel? And it would have some like curiosity to it. But the fact that he talked about it in that interview and he said that he made a recording on a phone and then they put the music underneath it, that ruins the whole thing. Yeah, you're just like weird. this is so whack because it, and, like, it destroyed the illusion cowboy hat and she's like take me the fuck back to LA like, <laughs> he just seems super out of touch <laughs> she's like I didn't marry you to like come the fucking forest and eat honey butter like yeah. come on yeah actually that's a good point too I think his aesthetics on this album were like I think they're interesting I like what he was trying to do that he's trying to build mm-hmm. like a, a look but I think it was the wrong move like yeah. I think the flannel and all that like like Unless the music was much more Bonnie Rare, you know what I mean? Less beats and all that. But it wasn't. Also, he's it's... like three or four years behind on the whole hipster aesthetic. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that's what it is. He's trying to bring that hipster thing back a little bit. And it's just, yeah. I... Do you think he's just a dad now? He doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, so like when I think of like Jessica Biel and Justin Timberlake, like yeah. I, think of, I think of two things. One of picture of them at Halloween last year where they're dressed up as like Buzz Lightyear. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and uh whatever the girl the girl cowgirl. Yeah, yeah, was. I remember Jesse? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. for their kids. Yeah. And for their for their son. And they look super cute, but they're like totally parents. Yeah, and, I I, it's, I think that's because honestly when I see him in that interview and I see, even in the music, we haven't really talked about this, but there's something in his voice when I'm listening to it. And mm-hmm. he's good, but it's lost some of the swag. Like, yeah, because it's like a dad now. He's not as like, passionate in his voice anymore. Like it's, it's, like, it's almost like he's not straining as much or something. Like he's just kind of, I don't want to say he's phoning it in because that's not what it is. It's still good music. But, but it's like he's, he's lost the mojo a little bit, and it's totally dad vibes. Well, and that's what it's like with like Jessica Biel because here's like this like beautiful woman. Yeah, she is beautiful. And, and um, just like this like chill. Like she, I don't know. She seems like the kind of girl who'd like – like make a really mean bean dip for like <laughs> yeah. your Super Bowl party. Yeah. Like she's like your friend's like, she seems, wife. You're like, exactly. She's so hot, but I don't really know. Maybe a little daughter, maybe like, a little vanilla. Yeah, they both seem vanilla, a little but like makes really good snacks and just is like chill to have around, you know? That seems um, to me like they probably have a really great family life, but like the art like, popping anymore. Yeah. Or like I just want her to like do something cool because like I just hate the idea of this like beautiful woman like only making art when it's like, oh, it's so true. like weird album and i'm like Stop it's it, so girl. true it's like, so better true. than this like you don't have to do how do, how do we go how, how, how oh, did God. i go from I, I really like this album and it's underappreciated to now making fun of it for half an hour <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> it is what it is um it is what it is. any anything you've been watching or or reading or seeing anything you can recommend to people um, so we had actually, right before I went on my flight. Oh yeah. My, uh, my moment of shame. Fucked up. Big time. <laughs> no, the last time I didn't, we found it. Remember? So it was like a half fuck up. Yeah. I like, like we found the episode, but then we just decided up. not to post it. But this one was, this one was, I was hoping that would happen again, but no, this one's just gone. Yeah. So like we recorded <laughs> me like reading poetry. Um, yeah. And like. Yeah, you got really, like, deep into that one, and then I had to text you and be like, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Um, but I'm actually still reading it, so I'm still going to recommend Good. it. Um, because it's this little um, chat book from the Emma Press. So what I love about, like, these tiny presses is that mm-hmm. they do these, like, micro collections of poetry it's like 30, 30, 40 poems, like usually at the most. You said it's almost like a pamphlet? It's like a pamphlet, yeah. Uh, and it mm-hmm, gives you like mm-hmm. a little bit of a taste of a, of a poet's like collection or like... And it's called chat book? Chat, chat book? book? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And, um, and they're usually like, they're never more than 10 bucks. They're usually like between three and seven bucks. Right. So, That's affordable, yeah. Yeah, it's super affordable. Um, and you usually are like, pro- like promoting and supporting like a small independent publisher, which is really cool. Um, so and where do you, one... where do you get them? Like, do you get them online or did you get them? Like you go to like, a, you know, like a little bookstore and, and I find them there. I've never seen them in like a major bookstore. Like I've actually never even seen mm-hmm. them. In a... I meant like a mom and pop kind of, yeah. 
Probably. I mean, they probably sell them. I've always purchased mine from like little independent like places online. Um, oh, okay, so you get them online. Got it. Yeah, but I, there might be bookstores that that have them. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, you should uh, you, you should post a link to one or two if you can, just after this. Yeah, I'll, I think I, I think it's one of those things people haven't heard of. Like I'd never heard of this until you said, and I still haven't looked it up. So if you put up a link, I will actually check it out and so will other people. Cool. This one is um, called Pisanki, which means okay. Easter eggs in Polish. Right. That's cool. Um, so the the author's name is um, Zasha Kaczynska. I think I'm saying that correctly. My pronunciation of Polish okay. is very bad. Um, oh, Sarah's Polish Corner. It's back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's never really left. Um, but no, this one is, it's a really beautiful collection because she um, looks at, she's a, an English writer, but of, of kind of Polish background. And she writes about her grandmother's forced exile um, from Poland All right. into Siberia in 1941. And she discusses like, what right do we have to tell other people's stories, even when like our own story is kind of wrapped up into that. And so it's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, it's kind of linear um, and like chronological, which I, um, which I appreciate because I've, I've written something kind of similar. So um, right. it's always a little dear to me when, when someone else does something kind of like that. Um, but every single poem in it is like just strong and perfect and beautiful and really? this rhythm i mean i was like sending you like lines yeah my flight and i was like <clears throat> listen to this and it was and i, and I didn't because you know poetry is not really my like craft so like i didn't really understand like the rhythms and stuff and then i would i read a little more and a little, little more and then i started to see it i'm like oh wow it's just like like my craft like writing or filmmaking or whatever mm-hmm. in the sense that like there's all these things that are like hidden like hidden structural things that you, you as a reader don't notice but they're clearly creating the momentum and the rhythm you know well you feel them but like you, don't so, know you were talking about them. syllables exactly you're talking about how the way the syllables syllables went together and like it's the same in hip-hop like you know it's so important how words run into each other yes yes she mm-hmm. definitely she has this rhythm and there's it's one of the few collections for me where reading it um is is one thing and then listening to it is equally uh, like listening to it read aloud mm-hmm. is equally as satisfying because it's a different. No, I'm not going to do it now, but um, okay, yeah, it's it's I've, I've heard a lot of poems that like I really love to read, like heard them performed, and mm-hmm. then I was good. And they for me, no, it's not usually something that I love quite as much. Um, yeah, I feel like some things just look better on paper, like it's the same way with like filmmaking. When you, when I first started making films, I uh, when I was writing. I would write screenplays and they would look really good on paper. Mm-hmm. Like they would read well, like, like meaning like I chose the right word here and very, the perfect descriptive word here and stuff and almost like prose. But then you realize over the years that like, you don't need that in a script. You want to simplify. But or maybe the way that something is delivered, like the delivery just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, like, Cause in a movie, you're never going to see that word. Right. And I think the same thing with like, when you read poetry out loud, like what you were just saying, um, certain words look good on paper when you read them they like this is something about it. it's pretty and it feels right but when you read it out loud it's like that word is clunky yeah it's, it's a totally different experience mm-hmm. and some people really love it i i definitely don't go to as many readings and shows as i should because of this right. um i just don't i really need to get myself like out of the rut of just not really enjoying them um but this one mm-hmm. I found myself reading them aloud because of just like how melodic they are. That's what I meant. The, the melody of it. Yeah. yeah. So definitely, um, I'll definitely link to it. Check it out. Yeah. You, you, we have to link to it. Um, what about that's you? really cool. Um, I haven't really been like, it's not that much. I saw a movie the other day. Um, I bought a movie on iTunes cause I was like, I should catch up on a few things. And I got, um, I got Logan lucky. Have you heard of it? No. So Logan Lucky is this um, movie by Steven Soderbergh who directed all of the Oceans movies. Okay. Oceans 11, 12, 13. Not the, not the new one with all the women. Okay. I think he might have produced that one. But um, he directed a movie called Logan Lucky, which takes place at, like, a NASCAR event. And it's, like, these, these, these southern guys who maybe aren't, like, the brightest, like, tools in the shed decide to rob the, uh, like, pull a heist at the Speedway when they have a whole bunch of money coming in, like, at the underground vault. Okay. And so it's kind of like a Coen Brothers movie meets the Oceans movies. Okay. 
Because the, like, imagine if it's the Oceans movies, but all the main characters in there are like dim-witted, like uh, "Oh brother, we're out thou characters. Okay, I'm I'm liking it. I'm <laughs> liking it. Yeah, and that's kind of the dialogue and stuff, and it's really funny. Um, Channing Tatum is in it. Um, Adam Driver. They play brothers. They're the two kind of like guys that need to rob this place to provide for their family. I think. I love. Adam and um, Driver. yeah, he's and he's so good in this. Like, he really shows that he's like a character actor, you know. And um. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy Bond, Craig, Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's in it as like this ex-convict who's just blows up things, and his name is Joe Bang, mm-hmm. and he's just southern as fuck. <laughs> 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 it's such a good movie. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's like kind of feels indie and stuff. So it's a little bit like offbeat, you know. And uh, it's got a great soundtrack, just like the Ocean's movies. And and I think what surprised me about it, they were selling it like kind of like an Ocean's Eleven at NASCAR. Uh huh. Okay. But 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 what surprised what me about it was, <laughs> what a sentence. Yeah, I don't even like. I think that's probably why I didn't do well. <laughs> but um, but uh, the thing that surprised me about it, because I was expecting the same thing. Like you know, it'll start. You know, introduce the characters. They all get together as a gang. They're gonna and they're gonna pull a heist. You know. Yeah. But but the way it starts is like really intimate and personal with the characters and kind of like showing their lives and how it's like this guy just got fired from this construction job and you know he's he's got a he's got alimony payments and all this and it's done really well like not like a tv movie but like cinematic you know and um and then it starts to tighten the screws as they start to get closer closer to this idea they're having and you start to feel like you really care about these guys like what are they about to get themselves into you know what i mean whereas in the ocean's 11 in the Ocean's Eleven movies or whatever, the Ocean's movies, you're rooting for those guys to, like, take the casino. Right. Do you think it's, there's something about the fact that they are, like, a little bit dim-witted that makes them more relatable? So you kind of... I think so. I think so. They're, like, good people at heart. Yeah. Yeah. And also, also like I said, like, all that setup with the... Like, he really... The, char- the director really takes his time with the setup for the characters. Okay. So that by the time it gets going, you really care about these people. It's not just, like, a heist movie. You know what I mean? Right. And that, that's what caught me off guard. Like, tonally, it, was, it started off really, really strong and cinematic. Like, not just like a, uh, how do you say, like, like a heist movie usually just starts with, like, music and every, all this energy and everything just gets going. Right, know? it has a swagger to it. Exactly. And this kind of builds up to the swagger. So, I think, it, honestly, it did bad because they tried to sell it to, um, like, all the southern states that, like, love NASCAR and stuff. Okay. Thinking that they'd relate because, you know, it's got a lot of southern culture in it and so forth. But it backfired. Like, nobody really saw it. Whereas I think if they had just kind of, like, marketed to everybody and been a little bit more, like, this is a good movie, you know? Yeah. People would have gone. Well, I'm actually intrigued. That doesn't often happen with movies. So I'm going to have to... If you sit down and watch it, (laughs) if you sit down and watch it, you will laugh. Like, it's funny. It's a good time at the movies is what I'm saying. A good time at the movies. Yeah. You should rate movies, like, at the end of every every recommendation like give it like a number a number of stars uh on a good time at the movie scale <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, seven and a half okay it's like it's like an eight okay yeah is uh, let me see is there anything else i've been listening to the migos record did you listen to that i didn't love it yeah i didn't love it either i mean listening to like i listen to on random all the time okay and there there are there are songs on there that are amazing I'm telling you, they could have made a 12-song album that was like, great, but instead they put out a 24-song album that like is just so scattered and like I don't know, I don't know what to make of this. I really like the only one that I find myself like routinely kind of listening to um, more more often. Yeah, yeah, is Narcos. Narcos is great. Yeah, um, I, I really like Emoji on a Chain. <laughs> That one, yeah. There's, there's some of them that's like fun, but then emoji on a chain. But like, what I really, what I really hate is Twenty One Savage's voice so much. Oh, I love him. Zan loves him too. No, I need him to open his mouth. I know what you mean, though. Like, I, I know hate what you it. mean, though. I hate it so much. He's, a, he's um, an acquired taste. Yeah, or like not acquired. <laughs> um, so right for you. Yeah. So, but um, whenever like yeah. It was, it, yeah, that one comes on. Just like, oh god, I have to like flip through it really quickly. Uh, but it just, I right. think Poncho Jack was just like so like, I don't know, yeah, it was, it was so good or something, you know? Um, it was perfect. The length was perfect. Every song was good. The melodies were really, really good. Like special it makes me realize that Travis Scott had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
and there are like I said, there are songs on on Migos that are as good, but the thing is they're scattered around, so you don't you don't get the same energy. You can't just play the record. You have to go and like make your own playlist or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, exactly. I'm, apparently, they released so many songs because it has something to do with like they're gaming the streaming <clears throat> the streaming platform. It does this is a loophole. So if you have like a bunch of songs, more people stream it, and it gives um it inflates your numbers. So people are, you know, when you see people that like got this like number one record and stuff, a lot of it has to do with like, there's so many songs that fans keep going trying to find new ones. So they're streaming it a lot more. Got it. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I had no, yeah. I have no idea how that kind of stuff works. A lot, a lot of artists are doing it now. They're, they're releasing like big double albums, but my problem is they're doing it and it makes sense because that's how the, uh, the, um, the platform is or whatever. But I feel like they're kind of like selling out their brand. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely still come from a place where, like, I want, like, a beautifully curated album. I want a product, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas some Can't... people just, like, really want, like, hot singles. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now what they do is they put hot that. singles. Yeah, exactly. I think on the G-Eazy album, half of it was kind of, like, radio stuff, and the other half of it was, um, like, darker hip-hop stuff. But for me, what it does is just, like, that's not, like, a classic album. That's just such, almost feels like a mixtape. Who, g Easy? I hate him. I don't listen to him because he broke up with Lana Del Rey for Halsey, and I have no, nothing to say about that. <laughs> and then they were caught on a boat doing cocaine together. Yeah. No, I have absolutely nothing to say about new Halsey or anybody who chooses to date her after dating Queen <laughs> Lana. No. Well, I hope she has some kind of a comeback, but she's not, not doing so hot right now. No, not, not loving it. Where's, where's Badlands Halsey? Where is Badlands Halsey? I love Badlands. I still listen to it every now and then. No, I remember when it came out, and I was like, "Listen to this right now!" And you're like, "I'm literally working," and I'm like, "I don't care." No, but like, yeah, you did. You made me listen to it, and it was like, "This is amazing." Yeah, no, it was so it was so good. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully, and and again, that's like a beautifully crafted album. album yeah, which had, we always talk. About, you and I always talk about this, but there's a producer named Lido who was on their first album, who I really think is like the the, the key ingredient to that. Mm-hmm. But anyways, is that anything else that you want to recommend or? I have nothing else interesting to say because my brain is like not in podcast mode. It's like totally fried still. So All right, um so should we call it then? Yeah. Time bye. of death. <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>